What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to another episode of SIDcast. Before we get any further into today's episode, uh, let's talk a little bit more about what we uh, started last week. Uh, If you were not here or you just missed last week's episode, uh, we're talking about goals and goal setting for 2020, Um, why having one broad goal or many broad goals for uh, the whole year is bad, Um, mainly because I I think that that's way too long of a time frame, and I'm suggesting to people right now that uh, we start looking at what we can do, how we can be so successful in a span of 90 days. So you have four quarters of the year, um, basically about 12 weeks, three months uh, to get what you want done. And these are very, very specific goals. These are not broad things. Um, we start thinking about that, like, as an example, you're like, oh, I want to lose weight. Like, cool, what does that look like? Is it 10 pounds? Is it 5 pounds, 10 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds? Like, what are we talking here? And then... Um, what I'm going to suggest to you today, uh, as you guys have thought about what you want to get done, what you want to do, um, I think I talked last week about having goals in four areas of your life. Uh, I'm not talking about like you focusing all your time on health. Um, I think that that's a mistake that people make when it comes to goal setting is that they go all in on one thing if that makes sense and they try to change so much at once so what i'm not i'm not asking you guys to to wake up at 5 30 a.m all of a sudden just when you've never gotten used to it um when you've never done it before and you're like used to waking up at nine or something like that and then uh running for an hour at the gym that's not what i'm asking you to do what I'm asking is that you make small little incremental changes in your life that will build up. Uh, I'm sure some of you are aware when it comes to losing weight or, or getting strong or anything like that, uh, you will sometimes go a month, two months, maybe even three months before you see any sort of significant change on the scale. Um, but before you know it, once you're at a year, two years, five years, like that's that's when it starts to hit. Um, I heard the story of a stonemaker, or not stonemaker, that's stupid, that's earth, um, like a stonemason, was making a, a, a sculpture, and he, um, for, he bashed on this rock for a hundred hits, and it was, and he was so frustrated until the hundred first try, uh, is when it cracked, and he understood that it wasn't the hundred first try that, that made it crack, it was all the one hundred before that. Uh, you'll see memes out there, maybe on Facebook or somewhere else on the internet of people who are digging underground as somebody who gave up um, just before they reached the goal. And it's not the fact that, um, and then there'll be like something on top where the person kept digging and they did find the, the gold. Um, it's not the fact that they found the gold. It's, it's 
the fact that the person who found it had to dig all this way to get there. And that's the journey that, that you guys are on. And understand that um, if I were to ask you to, and I know I'm giving a lot of examples here, but I've got to get it through to, to some people. Um, if I were to ask you to do one push-up today, you did one, cool, it's, it's fine, it's whatever. I asked you to do one more tomorrow, so you do two. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, it's just two push-ups. Well, if I ask you to do that a thousand days in a row, you'll be doing a thousand push-ups. But the thing is, I'm not asking you to change any sort, anything from one day to the next. I'm asking you to do one more than you did the next day. And that's the kind of 1% change that we're trying to make here. So in these four areas that you're going to start thinking about, the first is going to be condition. And again, I'm taking all these from Order of Man. Um, which is uh, a group for men. It's also got a lot of leadership things and things that women can take away from it as well. Um, highly recommend looking into that. But uh, the first area is going to be condition. This is going to be how you're going to, you know, work out and get in shape. Uh, this could also involve sleep if, if you're uh, not getting an adequate amount of sleep. And let me say this about sleep. Uh, being tired and not getting enough sleep is not a uh, badge of honor. When people tell me, they're like, oh, the night before I only got two hours of sleep, I just kind of rolled my eyes. Like, cool. I mean, what do you want? You're you're not productive. You're bragging about something that's unhealthy. Uh, start thinking about something else, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That'd be the, that'd be that's the first area. The second area is going to be connection. It's going to be either with your spouse, um, your partner, uh, coworkers. How you're going to be able to connect with them. The third is going to be calibration. This is going to be something that'll get your mind right. It might be a hobby or, or something new that you want to try. Sometimes I, uh, like today, I just got done. Um, I try someplace new in Bloomington because I'm only going to be here a year. I hear about um, everything that everybody's talking to me about uh, as far as food and everything. So I wanted to try it. Uh, so I take myself out maybe once every two weeks or so. Um, and just need by myself because, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't really need to meet with a bunch of people to make me happy because I know that's what makes me happy. Uh, again, could be a hobby, could be um, many different things, uh, meditation, things like that, just to uh, uh, get your mind right as, as as far as your mental health is concerned. And um, your final quadrant will, will be um, contribution. This could be monetarily if you wanted to start a business. Um, maybe if you have a little side project or hobby that makes you money. Uh, if you want to save up some money for a trip or uh, like if you're going to Cosina, for example, and you want to have X number of percent done uh, by X, number, X date, uh, this would be where that goes. So uh, think about that. And then when you are going through how you're going to accomplish these in 90 days, well, first of all, you need a way to keep track. There'll just be a notebook or an app in your phone, whatever works best for you. And you'll check your goals where you're at um, at 30 days and 60 days to see if you are still on track. Like if you want to lose, um, if, if you're at 25% body fat and you're like, I want to be at 15%, um, I would say at, at 30 days, you need to be down around 21. And then at 60 days, you need to be down... I don't know, maybe 18 or something like that. Um, it's really up to you. Just know and scale yourself a little bit more. Uh, don't try to do too much at once. Eliminate all one thing. Everybody's like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. Uh, eliminate the words I want 
Um, you say, I will do this. You tell yourself that every day. And even with these planners, the reason why it's important to keep track, uh, other than to, to know you're on track, I, th- I would think that you would need to keep this journal or whatever you're keeping track with uh, by your bedside or with you in your bag when you're at work uh, just to basically see it, fill it out, do it, and crush your goals together. So we'll talk a little bit more next week about this. I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. So I will shut up now and uh, get turned to our episode today. Uh, Kyle's a guy that um, I knew of. Uh, I knew he was at UIndy, and then when he took the job at Center, I've lived in southern Indiana um, basically all my life. Um, And I knew of Center. I had a friend who went to Center, and Center is spelled with a T-R-E at the end, not T-E-R. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, marketing yourself. We'll talk about some video editing things that you guys might be interested in. Uh, we, we've got a lot to cover today. Super happy to have him on. Um, yeah, let's just get started here. How's that sound? Since I've been rambling long enough to what's, it's what eight minutes. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'll shut up now. So we will start off episode number 142 of SIDcast with Kyle Piercy of the Center Colonels. And uh, we'll talk about his sport background growing up right here on SIDcast. Well, I knew playing a sport wasn't going to be in the cards for me pretty early on. Um, I did grow up playing just about everything you could think. Um, In high school, I played baseball a little bit. Um, but from then on, it was really just intramurals for me, uh, UK. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, after graduation, I actually got a degree in broadcast journalism and, um, you know, UK didn't really have like a sport admin or management or Mm. anything like that. So, you know, I kind of went into it thinking I might be a reporter, maybe a sports reporter, maybe not even in the sports world. And, um, it just so happened I was doing the thing where you apply for hundreds of jobs online and just hope something sticks. Um, I didn't hear back from a lot of folks. Some things I, I applied for everything from, you know, ticket sales down to media, down to, um, you know, customer service, anything I could think of to try to kind of get that foot in the door, so to speak within athletics. And, uh, I caught my first break with the university of Indianapolis they were fortunate enough to mm-hmm. take someone on that had basically no experience, but um, I could do a lot of the a lot of the things that translate. You know, I, I knew how to interview someone, I knew how to to shoot and cut highlights, I knew how to do all that stuff. Um, and, and thanks to the program at University of Kentucky, I knew how to run pretty well. Um, so they, you know, when I graduated, I felt well equipped to handle you know 80 percent of what an SID has to do. And then I picked up some of the other stuff, stat crew and you know, game notes and working a little bit more with, with media and things like that. So, um, that was, that's kind of my background into it. I, mm-hmm. I didn't graduate thinking I wanted to be an SID. Um, I didn't really even know what that stood for when I was an undergrad. I, I had to set up interviews as a student reporter, you know, working with UK football or whoever else. And I was like, well, I know I got to call the SID. I don't know exactly who that is or what that means, but, um, I've kind of, so I kind of backdoored into it and it's been an absolute blast. And so now I'm at my second stop at Center College, uh, Division Three school in Danville, Kentucky. And, um, yeah, I'm loving every minute. So what would you say uh, would be the best way, do you think, to 
inform undergrads like yourself who, who are in that position right. and you're like what the hell is this you know how would you how do you go about doing that at center now that's a great question and actually the best spot that i found for that in my you know somewhat limited experience in Indianapolis, they had a not only a, a, a communications department but within that they actually had a sports information focus which i thought was was pretty wild and um was really really cool for us you know, it wasn't like the class was yeah. 15, 16 deep on the roster, but there's, there were always two or three students that um, maybe they didn't know it's exactly what they wanted to do, but they actually knew um, that it was, you know, something within the sports world, within the media world that they could see themselves doing. Um, and uh, at center, it's a little different and it's tough because we don't have any sort of communications degree. So when it, when it comes to explaining what we do, it's just one-on-one, you know, I get um, a group of student workers and um, they are probably biology majors or behavioral neuroscience or other things that are, you know, way above my, my level of, of academia. And, uh, and, and I'm like, Hey, do you want to work in athletics for, you know, minimum wage basically. And, and so it kind of goes from there and we get some that show up just for the paycheck. And then we have a couple others that I've, you know, told they could be a, a full-time SID at the end of the year if they really wanted to. So you kind of get some buy-in there, but um, it, it's, yeah, it's one that I think a lot of places would serve. Uh, you know, this year we actually sent out a flyer to the student listserv, you know, basically advertising a couple jobs um, that we had open for photographers and uh, public address announcers and the response I got back was really overwhelming with the number of students that were interested in it um, again these are students that are most likely doing a degree or, or focusing on something that will take them far away from athletics but at least while they're in undergrad um, you know they really want to help out and be a part of of the athletics team so to speak so um, I think anything mm -hmm. that folks can do to try to get the word out there that you know, even I had a few that even offered to do it as an internship almost for free or for class credit. Um, you know, I wouldn't recommend that for, for everyone, but, um, you know, there is that level of interest out there. Some of these, some of these folks, maybe they played sports and they're, they're out of the playing world and now they want to kind of get into behind the scenes and it can be kind of cool for them. So I would definitely encourage um, other SIDs to actively try to recruit a little bit to your, you know, most places have like a student, was served to try to send that out. So that's what I did at center and it seemed to work pretty well. Yeah. When you get all these inquiries to do public address announcer, what, uh, I mean, is there tryouts for that? Yes, we're pretty, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I hesitate putting students on both PA and also commentary. Um, I kind of need to, to, to know them pretty well at that point. Mm -hmm. So for public address, what we did, um, you know, once, cause, cause a lot of students don't really know what that means. So like, so wait, is that the person that is on the broadcast? And like, well, no, that's, that's play by play or, or, or whatever. So you kind of explain what it is. Um, yeah. that scares a couple <laughs> of them away knowing that they have a microphone in house. So I was like, well, that job's probably not for you. Um, but yeah, then it's a trial run and it's starting with, you know, maybe a soccer that has just starting lineups and not much else, maybe a goal here and there, um, you know, before, jumping into basketball or whatever. Um, so yeah, we have, it's a little bit of a tryout thing, but um, it's also one that I think people know right away, whether or not it's something they want to do and it's something that they're 
uh, good at. So, so we fortunately have had have had more misses than uh, than or excuse me, more hits than misses in in that world. Yeah, going back to some technical skills here, I wanted to talk with you about. Do you think that that experience of doing the video editing, the interviewing, um, the video production? I mean, was that kind of your cornerstone marketable? skill when you were moving out into the SID world? I mean, because you were looking for a job and, and not all SIDs know how to do what you knew how to do. Right. Actually, that I would say, you know, if I, if you called my old boss right now, that'd probably be the, the main reason he gave me the job at UND. Um, you know, the two folks there were looking to add that element. Um, you know, they, they had the stat crew, they had people that applied that had 10 years of stat crew and they had people that applied that um, you know, had served in the SID role somewhere else professionally. Um, and I didn't have any of that, but what I did have, I think was something that, um, was very marketable right away because they were looking to get into that space. Mm -hmm. You know, this was 2013 ish. Um, and you're seeing a lot more video content and, um, you know, just, just showing them that it really isn't, um, so much the production value. A lot of it can just be, um, the hustle and trying to get um, things done in a timely manner. So how can you almost like you are a reporter with a deadline, you know, and how can you cut some highlights, put an interview together and have it ready to go within an hour or whatever. Um, that was huge for me starting as a, as a professional, that was kind of my, my chip, so to speak uh, to play in order to, to get a job. And honestly, it's what I enjoyed the, doing the most, especially at that time. Um, you know, that was before I learned much about Photoshop and things like that. Um, obviously, well before I knew anything about keeping stats or, um, you know, running a social media campaign type of thing. So for me, editing video, that's kind of what I leaned on um, early on. And it's something that is is a useful skill, I think. And I don't use it as much anymore. Uh, we have a really awesome digital media assistant, and she does most of our video content at, at Center. Um, but especially getting started, I was, I was, uh, for sure editing videos, um, and not only for the sports I was covering, but really for the whole department too. Um, I kind of took on that role. Yeah. So how did your duties there evolve? I mean, you obviously did some video stuff, uh, but what about some SID duties? Uh, cause you were fresh into this field. You had no idea what the hell this was, I don't right. know, a week before you started. So, I mean, what, how did that evolve for you? What were some things you enjoy doing or maybe you didn't yeah. expect to do so at UND right away <clears throat> excuse me I was the um, I was the volleyball contact <laughs> and so I I got there very early there yeah it was early August so I, I got on campus maybe midway through August and we were hosting a, a, a volleyball like classic or tournament or whatever like yeah. the first weekend of the, of the season and so you have to imagine someone who's never I mean, I, I couldn't have told you, I could count on one hand the number of volleyball matches that I had seen at that point in my life, right? You know, um, just not not a sport I grew up watching or playing or anything. And I am and I have to learn how to do stack crew for volleyball. And, I, and mm -hmm. this is the point where I'm just like, maybe this isn't for me, uh, you know. Uh, that was uh, um, kind of a trial by fire, so to speak. Um, and it turns out now that's my favorite program to do is, is stack crew for volleyball and it just uh um kind of threw me right to the wolves but at UND we did uh basically um there wasn't necessarily job designations more like sport designations so I had volleyball 
um, men's and women's tennis right out of the gate. Um, I had women's basketball and, uh, in the yeah. spring I had baseball I'm trying to think Oh, well, in tennis, obviously it was falling in spring. So we, so that's kind of how we divvied it up. We did it by sport. And yeah, I mean, I, if I didn't know about it, I talked to the coach, our volleyball coach there was in his first year as a head coach. And it was really cool because, you know, we would spend, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes a week and he would tell me uh-huh. what the heck he's doing out there on the court. Like, I, you know, he's running a, a five one or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know what that means. Like, you know, so we kind of would break it down and that helped me writing a recap, right? Like knowing actually what the heck I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Tennis was, was similar. Um, you know, just how, how learning, uh, Hey, how do y'all score this thing? Cause it's kind of uh, it's kind of random. And so there were a couple of those, you know, baseball I grew up playing that, that I kind of took to naturally the stat crew part and everything, you know, came pretty easily. Same with basketball. Um, <clears throat> and then as we kind of evolved, you know, we added lacrosse when I was there. Um, so I volunteered to instead, you know, I gave up baseball and took on men's and women's lacrosse. Again, a sport that being from Louisville, Kentucky, I mean, I had never, I don't think I'd seen a game before, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, so now you're learning not one, but two new games because they're, they're very different in, in the rules um, and how they're kind of supposed to be statted and things like that. So um, yeah, I mean, when I was at UND, it was it was learning about a lot of sports that I had no background, no familiarity with, um, and that's everything from doing the stats to yeah. writing the recaps to, you know, when I'm doing an interview with a coach or player, not making myself look dumb by asking dumb questions, you know, trying to to try to actually uh, or or send out a tweet that makes no sense for volleyball or whatever. So um, yeah, a lot of it's just was learning for me, and um, I enjoyed it though, especially at UND. Like I said, we had a good a good group, three full time and a GA when I started there. Um, and so, you know, I didn't have everything on my plate like I do here at center. So I was able to kind of ease into it a little bit more, but I, I really enjoyed the, the early, the early stages of my career for sure. So what would you say to an SID who wants to learn a new skill? I mean, they're, you're kind of yeah. give and take with a new sport, but like something with like a video editing, or mm-hmm. a, a graphic design, I mean, and maybe they don't even have the resources to hire a GA like, like yourself who had had experience. So sure. what would you say to those who want to learn new things on a string timeline? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of it is, is picking your battles. And, um, you know, if you're a one-man band, so to speak, uh, what can you um, take on versus, uh, you, you know, what is something that's going to need to hit the, the cutting room floor because you just don't have the time or resources to do it. So that's a great question. You know, there are things we at Center can do because we have that video person um, that, you know, I, I'm, I know a lot of the teams in our conference, you know, they just simply couldn't do it. So what for someone that, let's say, video editing is what you want to do, I mean, a lot of the times, and I kind of joke with people too, is like, you know, if I make a graphic or, or video and someone's like, oh, that looks great, really like it, well mm-hmm. done, you know, they don't see what ended up in my trash can on my computer. So, like, a lot of it is practice. I mean, there's really nothing to replace that. Um, a lot of it, too, is, and I think every SID does this and every graphic designer and video editors, go see what everyone else is doing. Go see, and if you're at a smaller place like I, like I am and have been, go see what the D1s are doing. You know, go see what you're not going to be able to replicate that with the staff and resources, but you're starting to get an idea of what you like and what you might want your brand to represent, what kind of voice you might want. Um, and so let's say it's video editing. 
um, yeah, just, just practice. So start learning the basics, the rule of thirds and, and all that. Find out which um, editing software you can use. You know, we use the Adobe Suite um, because it's part of like the package we have on campus. But I know that that's not a reasonable, um, you know, thing for someone to go buy themselves, right? So if they don't have that, you know, go find out which uh, free video editing software out there will work for you. And, um, and really just, I'd say keep it simple. Uh, when we do video pieces, sometimes we'll do feature length type things. But, you know, if, if, if you're talking about video editing, a lot of the stuff we're doing is um, under a minute, maybe under two minutes tops. And so um, we're working in a couple interviews. We're working in um, some B-roll and then uh, we're cutting it and that's it. So, um, yeah, I would say the... Excuse me. There, mm -hmm. there are resources out there too. Um, for Photoshop, the big one I use, and, and I assume for video editing too, is is literally just googling how do I do X or uh, you know how do I make it look like this, and you'll be surprised at how many resources are out there. Um, that's how I really started with Photoshop myself because that was one. You know, with with video editing, I was fortunate. I was editing videos in high school, so I had worked with probably three or four different you know nonlinear. Uh, video editing softwares by the time I even got my job at UND, whereas Photoshop was very different. I had no experience uh, really with, with um, graphic design and um, I've really taken to it. I like it a lot, but the early stages, it was a lot of, you know, going, going around and seeing what, yeah. what maybe poster swag or what some of these other outlets that kind of can aggregate some of the um, big boys, so to speak, seeing what they're doing and then trying to replicate that using Google uh, a lot. <laughs> That's pretty much what I did. Um, so, yeah, it, it's tough, though. I mean, I, we, we operate with that, those same constraints. And, you know, I see it, the stuff, you know, you, you talk about like a Clemson football, nine or ten people on the sidelines alone just, you know, churning out content and, and able to kind of work like that. Um, obviously, that would be a dream, but there's also ways to do it um, if you're in that, like I said, the one-man band, so to speak. Yeah. I think YouTube is the best teacher I've ever had, honestly, yeah. especially with graphic design and stuff. Cause there were some times, cause like I told you kind of off air, I started at an AI. So there were times where Zach, my boss would just be like, I, I need this or something like this. Can you do it? And I would spend hours on YouTube. I would sacrifice homework yeah. hours cause I enjoyed it so much on YouTube trying to figure out right. how to do stuff. So best teacher, like you said, free software, um, lots of different things. Uh, if you want to learn how to make gifts, I said this back in, I think August easy, easy gift.com, I think is what it's called. And that's how you can mm -hmm. take your video clips and you yeah. turn them into gifts, easy MP4 to gift. And you got your yeah. own little library. So I don't know, just some resources for you guys to think about. Um, so it was time for you to leave you in in your career path. Uh, where were you at with life at that time? Um, and how did you come about? Uh, I mean, you're from right. Louisville, but had you ever had any experiences in Danville, Kentucky before? No. Um, you know, my wife and I are both from Louisville, so we were kind of looking for a way to get back into <clears throat> closer to home. Um, and mm. I was at UND for four years. My wife was a, a reporter in Terre Haute, Indiana for a few years uh, as well. So she actually, we had the same broadcast degree and um, so she was a, a reporter. And so we started kind of looking and she found um, you know, a station in Lexington that, that had an opening and I saw center had an opening. They're about, 
you know, 30, 45 minutes apart. Um, so we're like, Hey, maybe this, maybe this is the spot. We'll, we'll try to make it work. And, um, yeah, so I applied for it and, um, you know, did the whole interview process and hmm. visited campus and really liked it. That uh-huh. was the, I think I'd been to Danville maybe twice before, um, kind of a passing through type of thing. And, you know, I, I didn't apply to, to, uh, center, uh, when I was in high school. And so I, you know, I didn't do a lot of research on, on center itself, um, as a high schooler. So I didn't really know too much about it, but, um, it, uh, when I was on campus, you know, the, one of the biggest, um, there, there are really two factors that played into it. Uh, well, technically three, the two big ones that I, I really latched onto from an athletic standpoint was the willingness to put resources where they need to go to be competitive. I knew I could tell just by being around the place and talking to the people that they were putting resources into facilities, resources into media relations and communications, resources into strength and conditioning. And so they weren't kind of resting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now that I've been in division three for a while too, you can, there, there really are a lot of different um, mindsets when it comes to administration um, for better or worse. That's just the way it is. But this was a place that I knew was trying to compete and it makes my job a lot easier when our teams are, are competitive. And, um, and, and I knew this was going to be a place that, <clears throat> you know, year in and year out was going to put a product on the field court, wherever um, that was deserving of the same type of energy and passion and hard work off the court that we do in our office. So uh, that was one thing. The second thing, uh, the athletic director, Brad Fields, was a former SID, which you just don't see that a lot. Um, you know, he was a, an SID for a few years at Western Kentucky, um, kind of D1. He was at um, USC Aiken, a D2 school. So he had had a, a kind of a similar path to me. Um, and so it was pretty neat having a boss that was a former SID. Um, it was kind of cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the, the kind of the kicker was just a sit down with um, our our president, John Roush, um, the president of the college. And, you know, he spent 30 minutes talking to me and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. to talk to the president for 30 minutes. A job that, you know, is a, you know, it's director of athletic communications, right? But to me, I'm just like, I'm just an SID. Like, you know, what is he? But he saw the value in storytelling. And that was kind of the, his whole pitch um, was, you know, how do we tell the stories of these student athletes? And um, yeah, so it was, it was all around a really impressive, um, package and, and so worked out. They offered me a job and here we are. Yeah. So my wife and I made the move and I think at that point we've been married probably two years, three maybe. So yeah, I've been here a couple of years now going on three. Mm-hmm. So you've been a little bit everywhere. I mean, like you said, that different level, there are different mindsets. I've asked this question a lot. Um, the differences between each level that you have found, but it always seems that somebody's answer is different than the next person. So what's yours? That's a good question. So, you know, I, I haven't worked at the highest level necessarily. I've worked with those folks and I was an undergrad at UK. Um, So that was, that's one that, you know, is kind of a standalone in my opinion, because, you know, you're, you're talking about just different resources, different, um, I, I, I don't know, like, um, office landscape, things like that. Um, from my experience, um, there as a, as an undergrad, I was a student reporter working with the SIDs. Um, and so that was, that was really cool for me. Um, and of course at that point I'm an 
18, 19, 20 year old kid, you know, basically, you know, in my opinion, yeah. like, Oh man, I'm sitting in the press box at a, at a UK, you know, for free. This is awesome. Um, but really seeing the professionalism, not only from the SID staff and the UK administration, but also from other, you know, journalists, um, and other folks covering the games in the, every, everyone from the radio to TV broadcast crews all the way down, you know, just seeing the professional, um, well-oiled machine, so to speak. And, uh, you know, UND division two was kind of cool because now that I'm in D three, you really do have that balance. Um, that's kind of what they preach at, at division two, you know, cause they do have athletic uh, scholarships. Um, you know, the, the big thing at me with me, um, at division two was, and it kind of goes back to the buy-in from the administration. You know, I worked for an awesome athletic director and Dr. Sue Willie and, you know, she made sure all of our sports were fully funded with scholarships. And so that kind of goes to the same notion that, okay, we're going to put resources into this thing. Um, mm-hmm. But what I really liked at D at the D two level was real, like the family feel, right? Like everyone, everyone within the athletics department, um, and we really were like a family and, and I'm in on the admin meetings every week with, with Sue, our athletic director. And I really have a voice as an assistant SID basically at the time. Um, I kind of worked my way up, but even from day one, I'm in there, you know, I'm with the facilities guys, I'm with the development guy. We're, um, uh, we're kind of that team, uh, that I, that I would imagine you, you don't see that often at the U1 level, especially at the higher levels. Um, just cause there's so many compartments and it's, uh, that hierarchy is just a little bit different. Um, so I really enjoyed that uh, while I was at Division Two, And, uh, you know, honestly, the difference for me while being at center, other than our, our office makeup, we only have one full-time. Technically, we have two full-time, but the only full-time SID is myself. Um, I have an assistant SID, Seth Stogslow, who's awesome, but he's only part-time. And then, like I said, we have our um, – really talented, uh, Julissa Fullwood's our digital mm. media assistant. And, um, but it, it's really taking on much more of a bigger role and wearing a lot more hats than I'm used to. Right. So I came from UND where I had, you know, maybe five or six sports to center where we have all the sports, as I like to say, we have, you know, 23 teams basically. Um, and, 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 uh, and I'm responsible for most, if not all of them when it comes to, um, some of the creative content and things like that. So um, the, yeah, the differences in it, and it makes sense on paper, right. Are, are the resources, but um, at D2 and at D3 at center, you know, it's, it's just a tight knit community um, and it's a really team, you know, bonding type atmosphere at both places. And I've been fortunate enough to work at two places that have uh, forward thinking ADs and also presidents too, which can kind of get overlooked. Um, and I think probably doesn't impact as much again at the division one level. It might, I could be wrong, but um, I've heard, you know, horror stories from colleagues that, you know, they're like, you know, our, our administration or whether it's in athletics or not, you know, they just, they don't really quite have the buy-in that, um, that I was hoping for. Um, and so I've been fortunate enough to work at two places, UND and center that are competitive on the, on the field, so to speak, and also off when it comes to, um, competitive, uh, you know, media relations, having strength conditioning and kind of putting some resources into some of these other areas too. So I'm not sure if that really answers the question on the differences between them, but, uh, I will say the, the cool thing about center too, and, 
and not taking anything away from UND or even my time at UK, because I know there's really special student athletes there, but center, I mean, it's a high level academic school. There's only like 1300 students. So it's, it in itself is a smaller community. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we have, we talk about nominating for Cosida, you know, all district and things like that. We have some really, really cool stories with, with kids that come and, you know, we had a football player last year. He was like a three, nine, eight in behavioral neuroscience. You know, I couldn't even spell that if I had to. And he's also a, you know, an all conference football player. And it's just, it's really cool to see some of these uh, young student athletes who are able to, to kind of put it all together, so to speak. And, um, We've been fortunate at Center to kind of be able to to cover a lot of those type of, of folks with feature type stuff, you know, off the off the field, so to speak. You mentioned something a little bit a little bit ago that um, has not a lot of people have gone through, I think, lately, or maybe they have, depending on what it is. Um, brand and, and voice, uh, you guys had to switch it up a little bit. So, what was the process like for that, and what has kind of the reception been for you guys um, moving forward? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, one I've been fielding quite often this past calendar year. Um, yeah, so we had before I got to center, they had rebranded. Um, you know, they're still the Colonels, but they you know kind of modernized the logo, added the new C, and then they added its Colonel head. Uh, that was kind of a KFC looking thing. If you haven't, yeah, you know, seen it for those listening. Um, and so my first year at center, um, there was a concern from from campus not necessarily not necessarily negative but just more of a proactive um is this logo representative of our student athletes our student body as a whole etc so um there was a committee that met from 2017 to 18 i won't get into too many of the details anyway they got rid of the colonel head um and so and so we actively stopped using it and so i was then chair of a committee this, the next year, mm-hmm. so many committees are involved. It's it's just a wonderful part of the job. Um, <laughs> um, I was voluntold to be the chair of this committee where we were coming up with a replacement for it, right? So now I'm trying to find um, uh, a group of folks, and we had a great you know committee made up of faculty, staff, athletic folks, non-athletic folks, coaches, students. A couple of student athletes were on there, so it was really a representative group, alumni. And yeah, so we came up with a new, some new imagery, a new insignia, so to speak. And, um, and that's really, this has been one of the toughest lessons for me as far as, you know, brand awareness, but also, um, just how effective communication can, uh, can really help or hurt you, um, if there's a lack of effective communication. And so, you know, one of the mistakes we made, two summers ago was not announcing that we were quitting the Colonel head. And so we paid for it, you know, twice over this past summer uh, when we unveiled the new logo and people were saying, well, what happened to the Colonel head? We love the Colonel head. And so, you know, internally we're thinking, Hey, we haven't used that in about a year, but since we didn't actually put that mm-hmm. message out there, you know, you, you kind of lose touch of, well, what's my audience seeing and what are they um, used to seeing, I guess. And so we kind of unloaded everything at once, probably wouldn't have done it that way in hindsight, but, um, you, you know, we, we, we learned, we took some lumps and, <laughs> and actually I think the, when we rolled out the new look, it was probably 75% positive, mm-hmm. which is about 70% more than I was anticipating being. So, um, I actually had a lot of people be like, Hey, that's actually, I think it's really cool. You know, like 
center grad and, and, and non-center folks too. So, um, but yeah, that was, uh, it, it's definitely been, um, interesting uh-huh. continuing the rollout, seeing it, you know, cause now it's been long enough. We're seeing it on apparel and things like that. Obviously a lot of that is just resources, you know, we're not, we're not getting new jerseys every year, so they're not on jerseys yet, but, um, but just in general, trying to, to rebrand, um, it's, it's one of those where, I'm sure it was a heck of a lot easier before Twitter and Facebook and, and Instagram and things like that. Um, people probably did not care as much either, but um, yeah, so that was, we knew that was going to be a challenge and, and it was definitely a challenge, but we're continuing to tell that story and it's been mostly positive, I think. Awesome. Well, I think it's great. It's different than what I grew up with is seeing it uh, on the field of Hanover or on the court against yeah. Hanover close to my hometown. So um, I enjoy it. And I, I'm glad that, you know, you can't please everybody because even our, we threw, we did some like throwback bicentennial uniforms back in October and yeah. boy, wouldn't you know, everybody's a uniform expert. Wouldn't you believe? Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. And, and, and those same people, I you know, I could have, those same people probably didn't like the Colonel head when it was adopted four or five years ago, but now you know, now it's, it's what they've always had. And it's like, well, no, it's only about yeah. four years old, but, um, you're right. Everyone becomes an expert and, and then they wake up the next day yeah. and they go on with their lives and the sun yeah. rises and everyone. So. Awesome. Well, I would like to transition this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. So first one I have for you, Kyle, um, favorite memory of your professional tenure. Ooh, good question. Uh, my first year at center, um, there's been a lot and, and honestly, um, I really enjoy when this is something I, I never really thought would happen, especially my first two jobs. I really enjoy when my teams win big games. Um, that's really cool. But the, the probably the coolest memory was a big loss. We uh, center had an exhibition game at UK my first year there. So uh, in men's basketball. So it was a, uh, it was really cool. Uh, you know, I get the job and three months later I'm courtside at Rep Arena you know, uh, where I'd been a lot as a student, but now I'm working, I'm working a Kentucky men's basketball game as, as the opposing SID. That was, that was a cool experience, not just for me, but for the, the college. And, and I know for our team, obviously too, um, just kind of being back in, in Rupp arena and, um, at a professional level, so to speak, and, and just kind of soaking out. One, one. It, it, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Last spring, um, That's we had, you like how I can just come up with it that quick? Um, yeah, how much time do you have? We have uh, – last spring we had a home men's lacrosse game and a home women's lacrosse game at the same time, right? So starting time was 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 both, I think, you know, 1 o'clock, maybe 12. And it's the end of uh, spring break, so I have next to no student workers. I mean, probably like three student workers tops to cover both press boxes and um, – one, the one guy, one of my student workers who I thought, you know, was going to be back ultimately said he, he didn't make it back in time and, and, and he knew how to input for women's across. Um, and I, I, I could do men's and women's across. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll do men. You do women. We'll just probably do one camera streams, bare bones, but we're going to get through it. Well, he, he didn't show up. And so we're now, I'm, you know, 45 minutes from the start of both of these with one person that knows how to do stats on campus. And so we actually had it set up where I had both stat laptops open and at men's lacrosse. Yeah. 
And I did have someone, I had a, an injured player that was able to help call for men's lacrosse. He'd never called stats, but I figured he, you know, good enough. And uh, so I had both laptops open. Our deputy uh-huh. athletic director, who has pinch hit as a women's lacrosse stat caller because of Division Three, so he kind of knew what to expect. And he's like, okay. So I was like, I literally called him on the phone. And I was like, you're going to call women's lacrosse. And I'm going to type it in while I'm also doing men's lacrosse because it's one of those. No, where, I know. Yeah, I don't know how familiar you are with, with lacrosse being being where you are, but you can kind of stat. You know, there are there are some breaks. It's not like soccer where a ton of breaks. Yeah, but there's a lot where nothing happens. So I was like, we're, I'm just going to go back and forth. I don't have any other. There's no other way to to go about doing this. And he still brings it up because it's anytime we have a busy weekend, you know, homecoming or, or family weekend. He's like, well, at least it wasn't like last spring. So fortunately, our women's soccer assistant coach, uh, her secondary duties within my office, you know, she she was like, hey, Kyle, I'm actually back from spring break a little early. Uh, if you need if you need help with anything, let me know. And I was like, well, you know, we're in this we're in this situation. She had actually coached women's across for like two years at center because they needed someone to fill in. So she's like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. She did. She was the input stats for women's across. And it was flawless. No, no mistakes were made. It. And it was, it was awesome. So that, that was a horror story for about an hour. And it kind of turned into something that was actually pretty cool with, uh, you know, like I said, division three folks come together and <laughs> wearing all sorts of hats. So we had our assistant women's soccer coach doing, um, doing stats for us at women's lacrosse. It, it was pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. Well, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? That's a good question. You know, specifically for, um, Sports information, uh, you know, th- there's always the day-to-day, the little things, uh, you know, best practices, so to speak. What are people doing on Twitter? What's working best on Instagram? Um, you know, big picture. I'd really like to um, probably get into a little bit more of the administration side of it. Mm. And, and I, I play a little bit of that role at center, not as much at UND, um, but working a little bit more with administration when it comes to um, you, whether it's budgets, you know, team management, things like that, maybe having a little bit of a crossover role there, I think would be, would be really neat for my growth um, as a professional, you know, at UND we had, you know, three or four different folks that were in charge of different budgets and finances and whatever for teams specifically. Um, and so while it's not necessarily sports information, I think that'd be kind of something neat, a sort of a crossover to um, expand a little bit and see how some of the the ins and outs work, you know, when it comes yeah. to team budget, travel, whatever else. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. I'm always trying to get on different committees too. I'm currently on the um, new media committee for COSIDA, um, but just trying to to kind of branch out and see what other people are doing and continue to learn. Yeah, awesome. Always continuing to learn. That's one thing that I think people should never stop doing just because you're out of college. They like to make the excuse to themselves that they don't have to learn anything more after that. Right. And I feel yeah. that's like incredibly ridiculous. Like nothing's stopping you from yeah. taking a class or, you know, doing something right. you've always wanted to do, which is. Yeah. And even the Cosina convention, I know budget wise, not everyone can go mm-hmm. every year, maybe not even every other year, but if you can get there once at least, you know, um, uh, I'm fortunate again enough to place where that's, that's kind of built into my budget. Um, 
but I come, I come away from there with, with pages and pages of notes, um, work, you know, talking to colleagues, going to a lot of those, um, sessions and things like that. So that would be another, yeah, another way to continue that education too. We try to make it to one of those conventions. Work-life balance. What do you do to have fun? Okay. Yeah. So, well, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm married, so I hang out with my, my best friend, um, you know, uh, my dog and, uh, he <laughs> and my wife, um, but you know, free time. I, yeah. We, we like seeing movies. Um, I play golf and the weather's <laughs> nice yeah. very poorly, but, but I'm out there. Um, I play, we, we do have a, a nice noon basketball uh, gang that goes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So get a little bit of a run in every once and again, uh, playing the, uh, playing basketball. Um, but yeah, that's what I, I try to do. I try to watch sports when I can. <laughs> I do that obviously a lot, um, at the division three level, but, um, you know, I try to, to catch the, uh, you know, anything I can, whether it's, you know, college football or NFL right now, obviously I'm a big college basketball fan. Um, regrettably I am a UK basketball fan for when it comes to division one. So, um, I have to go through that and, um, but yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I feel like, that's I'm, okay. you know, just kind of enjoy the, the little things. When I was at, when I was at UND, mm-hmm. I was more of like, you know, I try to get into some craft beer. They, there's a great craft beer city in Indianapolis. So being a day a little different, you know, I kind of get back to the, to the, uh, to the bourbon roots, so to speak. But, uh, you know, yeah. That's my next question. Yeah. You're in kind of bourbon country, USA. So next time somebody's in the Danville area, uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Yeah. If you're, you know, find yourself in the, the thriving city of Danville, Kentucky, um, <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, there's a lot of good places. The, uh, the pizza pub is the, is kind of the local, uh, pizza place, obviously, but good craft beer selection. The owner there is a friend of the college. Uh, another place called Harvey's is really good. They have a uh, good bourbon selection there. So depending on what you're looking for, um, pizza pub and, and Harvey's are probably the two. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, had anything, any questions for you, what'd be the best way to do it? Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, you know, my email is Kyle.Piercy, P-I-E-R-C-Y at center. And that's spelled R-E on the end there, uh, .edu. And then, uh, you know, I'm also on, on Twitter, um, RK Piercy, uh, at RK Piercy, I should say, um, RK P I E R C Y, uh, hit me up there. Or like I said, email, um, I can't remember my office <laughs> number off the top of my head. Cause I'm just, you know, terrible person, I guess. But, uh, it's on the website. That's the thing is I like to tell their SIDs like coaches and stuff. Well, you know, I shouldn't just say coaches in general, but you know, folks will ask me for contact information. Um, but SIDs, you know, you know where to look, you know, it's a staff directory. So, um but yeah awesome well Kyle we, uh, thank you very much for coming on we all do really appreciate it definitely I appreciate uh, the time and thanks for having me